0: hi everyone I'm Sheikh welcome back to humans of AI where we learn about the people that make AI magic happen today we're chatting with Carrie Miller the founder of the Center for inclusive change where she focuses on AI governance and research Carrie thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me yeah well, you have such a fascinating career but the first thing I'd like to start with is uh if you had to describe your job to a five-year-old what would you say you do Carrie
1: Well, I try to help and make sure that new things that come inside of computers are safe for everybody to use. That would be the basics of it.
0: That's an amazing answer that I wish was on T shirts. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, well, uh, going into your career, then a bit more, it seems you started in marketing and evolved into being a leader in AI governance. Uh, Can you share a bit more about what your career? story is and how you got where you are
1: yeah sure um so I my undergraduate is in international business and I took Spanish for a long time and so just studying cultures was interesting to me when I got into business I was in corporate strategy um, and what that really meant was I had a front row seat to digital transformation because I got into business in the late 90s and so through the 2000s everybody was doing digital transformation and because of the position i was in i was always on those teams um and i just always had a fascination with using data to answer the questions i never wanted to only rely on the qualitative you know things people felt in their gut i'm like well, let me just <laughs> let me just scope that out with the data and make sure you're telling me what i think you're telling me and so i i just kind of got sucked into it that way my master's degree though is in marketing and i think that's where my ai trigger Uh, started because I feel like that's where AI may have like really got hold of the world is in the Mm -hmm. marketing sphere. Whenever Google took hold and Facebook comes along and the algorithms start to consume our souls, you know, and feed us what it wants us to see. And I'm I'm like, I started to see that, um, with some of the way the advertising was working. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I started to see how some of the, um, the employment advertising was following the same patterns as like you would see for high heels or mm-hmm. dog food. And I'm like, wait, that you can't do that the same way. <laughs> like, you, that's not fair and equal, and that's going to prejudice. And so that oh. was kind of what kind of shifted me into the governance aspect of some of mm. that stuff. And then um, I had been with a couple of these companies for a while and I wanted to follow a passion project. I quit and I I did that. Um, at the same time, I also had this secret bucket list item I never really told anyone about, which was to get a doctorate degree. And so I followed that too. And when I got into the doctorate program, that's when I doubled down on governance and AI and risk mitigation and really honed in really on the employment, um, the employment life cycle and the amount yeah. of AI that's occurring in that space, which is extremely eye-opening. Oh, so, yeah. Within
0: that, within that uh, doctorate program, then it seems like a very um, new type of degree that's responding to our world right now. Could you talk a bit about what type of coursework was in there, or what your research focus was with within that?
1: Well, it's actually just a doctorate in business administration. So okay. it's it's literally just regular business and yeah. The concepts and theories and see the difference between a, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked this because I really debated hard on doing a PhD versus a DBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and a PhD has a lot of philosophy with it. Yeah. And so you're discovering new theories and concepts and a DBA is rubber on the road, baby. It is, <laughs> let's get this done. We've got, all right, thanks for your theories. I got to make sure that happen <laughs> That's yeah. me. I Got make this stuff okay. happen, and so it was all the practical stuff, awesome. um, and yeah, so that's why I went down that road. So I just so you take all everything practical, you take yeah. your, your topic, and all right, how are we going to have this happen? And so that's why I picked AI governance because I can tell a company exactly how to make governance happen for AI now.
0: Mm, interesting, and yeah. looking at a lot of your recent um, uh, workshops online, you write a lot about uh, AI procurement could you explain what that means
1: you know what i found as the more i looked at the governance topic all roads seem to lead back to procurement i mean there's a lot you need the right people in the right places and they have to have the right talents and skills that's governance you need to have policies in place okay good we all understand that but then you have to have the the protocols, the the practices, the processes. And that really came down to what you buy and whether or not you let the good stuff in or the bad stuff in and how you deal with it when it's in there. And just stuff kept coming back to procurement for me. And so I really started to look at what would you do to govern procurement? And what I loved about it is it doesn't take a law, a regulation, like anybody can decide, hey, when I buy this thing, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to put some rules in place. I'm going to figure this vendor out. And guess mm-hmm. what? We're not going to have bad stuff coming here. So that was part of what attracted me to procurement. And there's, uh, it's, it's an interesting little nugget to unpack.
0: Yeah. Categories of questions that go into your AI procurement framework, then I, as a buyer of tech, uh, what should I be asking my vendors for?
1: Well, it really depends on the risk that you're dealing with in in the procurement. If it's, you know, you're just trying to buy a little frequently asked questions tool, you know, that's going to look at your HR manual and generate, you know, so someone can ask the manual questions. That's a pretty low risk tool. So you don't have to worry too much about that. Um, A higher risk tool is going to be something you use maybe, helping people decide how they're going to determine salaries mm-hmm. or um, maybe you're using it in the call center to evaluate your call center employees. Hmm. Now we're talking about livelihood, could be something about their well-being. those are higher risks. So what I want to know from a vendor, I need to understand what are those vendors responsible AI practices? First of all, where did they get their training data? Are they allowed to have it? Did they follow the rules on getting that data? You know, do do they have good governance? Do they have policies about their own responsible AI uses? What does their leadership think of that stuff? Um, You know, just their general stuff. And then I want to know more about what's inside their machine. Mm -hmm. You know, did they choose the most difficult um, black box model they could find? Or did they... That they use more of a, a linear regression, something more basic that they could actually explain? Mm. You know, and why did they make those choices? Tell me what those trade-offs were, you know, and maybe there's a reason for it, but yeah. maybe they don't have the reason. They just wanted to be fancy today. <laughs> well, you know? And when,
0: yeah. And, and, and when you're advising different companies and what the um, what their AI governance policies should be, generally, what team do you start the conversation with? Is this a... Starting with, with the C-suite? Is it with the engineering team on, on the product side? How does that look like?
1: Bring me whoever you want. I, if you're <laughs> willing to start something, we will talk. I mean, there's been no pattern.
0: There's okay. literally
1: no pattern. It's There's a lot of this. Like, it's yeah. not my fault. It's their problem. They'll do it. Show bring her, you know. It starts wherever whoever is willing to raise their hand. It's so new. A lot yeah. of times companies don't, you know, they just don't think they need it, they're not sure. So it's it's a little pulling teeth. It's usually one mm-hmm. person kind of timidly like, I don't know, maybe. Which is fine. You start where you want to start, you know, it's crawl, walk, run.
0: Right. You know. is there any um industry or sector you're you're focusing on right now?
1: No. <laughs> It's all over the board.
0: Yeah, yeah, saying.
1: it really is. It's because it is so new. It's you just whoever's willing to raise their hand. Yeah. I mean, the, the technology, the technology is pervasive, especially in the employment space, which is where I, I tend to do most of my, okay. my bidding.
0: Yeah. yeah, is there and um, within uh, as AI governance becomes more of a mainstream topic there and there's more research being done in the field is there an area of research you're particularly excited about right now that might not be as popular more widely
1: i can see a trend in hr tech that is bugging me i can tell you about that
0: okay that sounds great
1: Um, (laughs) this there's a convergence of things going on um there's this they would call it skill based hiring, mm-hmm. and so there are several big, large companies out there that are kind of creating what they call skills clouds, um, which is really an interesting approach. And and but the way that they're doing it, I I don't think I'm a fan of. And I I say it that way because I they haven't provided enough explainability for me to understand what's going on, and that is where I feel like it gets a little dangerous, but it sounds like what they're doing is going out and scraping skills and assuming skills for individuals. And they'll show you some parts of what they've scraped up for you. And some parts they don't really show you. And, and then what they do is their skills kind of proliferate into deciding on compensation and raises and bonuses and whether or not you get promotions or different job suggestions or even project suggestions or resume building things. That starts to feel a little bit like what are we doing here um, at the same time. So put that in a box, similar companies, same companies are also creating their own LLMs. Mm-hmm. So now you have this skill box over here and then you have an LLM that's like, Oh now I can ask questions. And so I don't know how these things are interacting But they're all driving towards being able to determine compensation, whether you get a raise and a bonus. And I just—it's a lot of AI in a very sensitive domain. And I just—I'm just like, what are we doing here? Can I see some explainability, please? Interesting. Yeah.
0: Let's say I'm a, a AI PM, and I'm trying to work on a new. Feature there as I think about what type of models I should be using, what type of QA and validation work I need. Is there anything that comes close in the as a industry standard of what I should be benchmarking myself against?
1: I don't know because I mean, there's the Department of Labor publishes. They have a site called ONET. Okay. Oh. I can't remember if, what the all the words are. It's O Space Net. Basically, it's an um, um. It provides like lists of job types and then like the duties that go along with them. It's very thoughtfully done.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so that helps standardize some things like that. Mm-hmm. Whether or not everybody's using that, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But to me, it feels like pulling a slot machine or on some of this stuff is like, is it the right job? Did you match the right skills? What's your skill say? You know, I don't know. It just feels very like lottery-like yeah. to me right now.
0: When it comes to regulation, that's about as scary as it gets. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, um, the very uh, last question I have for you, Carrie, is um, let's say I'm just starting my, Career, and I really want to get involved in the world of AI governance. How and where do I get involved?
1: I, you know, I, there are some colleges out there that are starting to have some good programs. I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, they're kind of sporadic. Um, I believe All Tech is Human uh, okay. has a list of them. I can tell you how I did it. I just started yeah. reading and listening to podcasts it's an interesting field because, you know, it's changing by the minute. Mm. Like I published, um, a, it's not live yet, but I created a program on for workplace employees for generative AI, like how to be safe, how to use it safely. What? Before it's done, I'm like, Microsoft did what? Copilot, <laughs> what? You know, I'm just like, oh. And, you know, <laughs> it's just one of these industries that's like, light speed. So even to go to college for it, you still need, you've you've got to find the influencers in the industry, follow them on LinkedIn. You got to listen to their podcasts like yours. You've got to just read the the journals and the articles. And you just do it slowly. Find a niche that you like that interests you. You can't cover all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I like workplace tech. I also like ed tech. It's, it's hard to even keep up with two domains.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if there are any
0: listeners out there who want to uh, get in touch with you, uh, what would be the best way to find you online?
1: I would say through LinkedIn is probably the easiest, most reliable way. I'm always on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Gary,
0: this has been a wonderful conversation. Lots of fun stuff to consider. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it
0: this podcast and brought to you by h10 part about advanced technology that never changes is the need for the right people to design build and manage it h10 offers just that with an on-demand talented management service that covers all aspects of engineering program management and ai trusted by over 400 companies including half of the fortune 10 h10 is here to help lighten your load and make you the hero